Charlie, the Bulldogs have got two flags now. That was two years ago, mate. Get over it. If you think we'll be insightful, clever or just well researched, we're here to say that's not the case. We'll just go out and wing it. We are two guys, one car. It is Wednesday, August the 8th. 8th of August? Not really sure which way I normally say it. Uh, This is Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast. My name is Will Anderson. And my name is Charlie Clawson. And I think you normally say it's... It's the 8th of August. You put the number first. It's the 8th of August. You don't put it the It feels weird first. to say that 8th of August. It's a, like an, it's an uncomfortable sentence. It's, it sounds easier to say August 8th. So you think, yeah, because it's like a vocal warm-up for an actor. 8th of August. The 8th of August. The 8th of August. Sam Powell Pepper. <laughs> Sam Powell Pepper. Marcus Bontempelli. Marcus Bontempelli. <laughs> Spiro Cocamilis. Spiro Cocamilis. <laughs> Or can it only be current? Fantasia, Fantasia, <laughs> Fantasia, Fantasia. Uh, there's not much to talk about joyfully in the way of football uh, this week. Well, 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 not for it. Well, not since mm. Sunday. <laughs> like everything was going great until Saturday night. And then everything after that, we, football just got awful. We again. went to the game on Saturday night and... Uh, at that stage, there had been three games that had been decided uh, under a kick. I think they ended up being five for the weekend that were decided under a kick. And I actually said to you, I said, we're either going to see a game that's decided under a kick or this is going to be a massacre one way or the other. And at the start, at the start of that game, for the first like half of that first quarter, I was like, okay, it's going to be a Bulldogs massacre. Mm. To be honest, it's cold and my back hurts from sitting in this seat. Mm. I'm quite happy to go home at halftime. Yeah. I live walkable distance from this ground now. That's what I've noticed is it's no effort for me to go home. Yeah. I could have at halftime just walked out of the ground and by halfway through the final quarter, I would have been at home at my house. It lowers the stakes. Yeah, I must admit, like watching you at that game, you were the most curmudgeonly victor <laughs> I have ever seen. There was no joy in that victory for you. Like, considering where you came from, was it like a 75-point turnaround or something, you very begrudgingly gave the Bulldogs some credit, but you were mainly annoyed at everything. (laughs) I was. I was really annoyed at everything. I was like, this is a terrible game of football. It doesn't matter that my team is the better of the two terrible teams, but this is a terrible game of football. In fact, the Bulldogs weren't even that terrible, but it was just one of those games where... Like, it was horrible disposal. The way the pressure was around the ball just meant that it just constantly got turned over. Mm. Like, I mean, yeah, the Bulldogs went on a 10-goal run and Bonds and Pally kicked four goals and, you know, JJ got 41, 42 touches. But some of those things almost rubbed it in, if you know what I mean. Like, seeing Joe Hannison get 42 touches against some shit team that don't tag him and didn't put any work into him just makes you angry at all the times where other teams are like, oh, we should just play someone on him. And he goes, oh, I don't, oh this is hard. I don't want to play like, anymore. It just made you – yeah, exactly. I was like, why can't you do that all the time? It's awesome when you do that. Yeah, I couldn't put my finger on it. When I got um, back to my hotel and Gemma was like, how was the game? I said it was – everything about it was strangely kind of underwhelming and unappealing. Like, the, I, I wasn't surprised to read afterwards that the crowd – there's only – 
they barely got 20,000 into that game and it felt yeah. like it. Like it was a remarkably... If that. It was a remarkably quiet crowd and there was more... Well, the, 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 the crowd were quiet. The only thing that wasn't quiet was that artificial crowd noise <laughs> that they're pumping into the fucking stadium. That blew my mind. That was part of... I was obsessed by it. Yeah, you were. Like they, they played this like crowd cheering noise after goals that's just pre-recorded crowd cheering noise. And I was just like, is this what we've come to? They're the piping in atmosphere to this game. It felt like that was the whole game. That was emblemic in my mind to the entire game. It had piped in atmosphere. I just remember like 20,000 people collectively groaning multiple times <laughs> like there was so many it was like there's like a, a mob scene in the simpsons where everyone's like ah like slaps the- oh there was no competitiveness there was no joy in like it being st kilda versus the bulldogs i mean admittedly i was there with two saints fans and we were just at the footy together so it would have been weird for it to be too combative but normally you would have given some sort of a shit you know normally yeah. you would have but you're just like nah I guess this is what it is, right? Well, there were times, like you said, where normally if one team's groaning, the other team's happy. Mm. But this game, a St Kilda fan and a Bulldogs fan would see a bit of play and both groan <laughs> and just kind of look at each other like, yeah, I get it. Well, I think it's, and <laughs> We're the same. And that's also the curse of the dead rubber match. I mean, that's the problem the AFL has in this, ty- this time of the year, isn't it? Is that there's a bunch of games where there is no consequences from the result. Like if it had been a wild card match, like winner, you know, gets to play off for a final or something like that. Do you think, I mean, maybe it would have excited the crowd more, but the players definitely would have played with a bit more vigor. Well, I would have hoped they'd play with a bit more vigor. Oh yeah. Like even seeing Bontempelli kick four goals, there was just a bit of me that was like, this means nothing. Yeah. Save him. Don't even have him out there. Mm. I'm worried that he might get like injured in some way because he's playing in this meaningless game. Yeah. So even I couldn't even really enjoy his goals. Because I was just like, it was like I'd taken a really expensive car out in the hail. Yeah. Just at any stage, it was going to like, you know, put a dent in my car <laughs> and I couldn't enjoy driving the car. At one stage, I think it was half time or something, you stood up and very morosely said to me and Nick, do you guys want a beer? <laughs> and we're like, nah. And you're like, me either. Nah. <laughs> me either. And then you disappeared and got a coffee. Came back late to the third quarter. Took your time. Probably went and watched the Collingwood Swans game, I imagine. No, there was just, you know what it was? There was a long line for coffee. I was like, okay, I'm not going to get a beer. I don't even feel like a beer. They don't want a beer. I'm glad they said no to a beer because I didn't even want a beer anyway. I was just doing it because I thought it might help. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to go and get a, well, I didn't get a coffee. I got a hot chocolate. I was a hot chocolate, right. Yeah, I was like, I'm going to go and get myself a hot chocolate. And the line for the coffee machine was really, really long. And normally in that scenario at the footy, I would have gone, oh, well, I don't need a hot chocolate. I'll get something else. But on that night, I was like, no, I'm willing to line up. I can spend some time checking my phone for other entertainment. I didn't see. What was Bevo's response after the game? Because I know I know what uh, Richo and uh, uh, Simon Lethleen and, and, uh, and, and Seb Ross came out very aggressively. Like, I think they made a good statement. They were like, that was shit. <laughs> they literally, reading between the lines, everyone who had to make a statement from Secure was like, oh, man, like, that was horrible. We even admit that was horrible. We don't know what the fuck we were doing. That was terrible. We're so sorry. We're so sorry. But uh, what was the Bulldogs' response? Everyone from the crowd said that as well. (laughs) That was the review of the game. 
in the paper on the third back page of the Herald Sun on Monday morning, that's all it said. It was like, oh, we're sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, it was a good round apart from that. Well, I was interested. Concentrate on other things. I was interested to know, like, I mean, clearly Richo was really angry and embarrassed and, you know, having to do that press conference. But how was Bevo's response? I mean, was he like you or was like, oh, geez, like, I guess we won. <laughs> Did he just shrug? Take what you can get? No, nah, I think if you want to be positive about it, like there's a lot to like about... The Bulldogs have half of our best team out and there's a lot to like about the people who've stepped into the team. And, and look, that's all you want. Like you just want them to, in those situations against the Saints, that's the sort of thing where you should go, oh, you know what, that's... We're we're a fair bit ahead of St Kilda still, even with all these injuries and stuff. It, it was... I think when you reflect on it later in the grand scheme of the season, there'd be a lot of pleasing things about what the Bulldogs did, you know. But um, on the night, it was hard to enjoy any of those things. Yeah. <laughs> At the time when it was happening, I was just like, Nuh. I just, <laughs> I just realised that this is going to be the first season in a long time that I haven't seen the Saints win a game live. Because I've only been to two games. I may only be, go to one more. And I don't think that we're really in line to win any more games this season. So this was going to be like a year of losses for me. I'm going to, you know what? I think maybe I should wrap myself in cotton wool. I should sort of like, you know, put the cue in the rack, just save myself for next season. Well, funnily enough, Charlie, you know, because you know I've not been as enthusiastic about the football this year. Um, I if I actually look at the season I've had with the Bulldogs, and this is part of my policy of not having to watch them lose, mm. is I think I've probably, they've won six games. I think I've seen all of the six games they've won. And I think I've only seen like two or three other games. And every time I saw them live, they won. So actually, in me following the Bulldogs this season, it's been a really successful season. That's right. I just ignored, as long as I think that those games I didn't watch didn't exist, it's actually been a very good season. Yeah, I guess percentage... We've won 80% of the games. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that I saw. I just assume uh, everything's okay. As far as I know. Yeah, it's like I, you know, I uh, watched the first three quarters of Old Yeller. I assume the dog's fine. <laughs> Goes right. off to live a happy life on the farm. Uh, so let's talk about the Andrew Gaff incident. I was at your place when that happened. Yeah. Uh, you showed me that you showed me like the, the, the AFL feed and you said, Oh, Andrew Gaff can kiss his Brownlow chances. Goodbye. Yeah. I think, um, St Kilda are probably the only club to who are happy that Andrew Gaff bashed Brayshaw on the weekend, because otherwise I think that everybody would be talking about St Kilda or maybe they'd be talking about the fact that GWS beat Carlton when they only had 16 players on the field. But uh, it's all been about Gaff because yeah. as soon as that happened, this round that was one of the best rounds of AFL in a very long time mm. became all about that one incident. There was no doubt. I remember the just only, seeing it. The only you, people happy about it were the Australian uh, sports journalists, headline writers, who have been waiting for Andrew Gaff to make a mistake just so they could use that pun. Well, that's the thing about Gaff. He's actually been remarkably gaffless. Gaff-free. Maybe self-determined. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's like, my last name's Gaff. It'd be too much of a cliche for me to be constantly involved in gaffes. Yeah. And then finally, all this kind of built up, like, he's been suppressing his true nature. You know, yeah. the, the gaff, he is the gaff. Yeah. That's the secret, right? Yeah. He's like the Hulk. He's yeah. always angry. <laughs> I mean, you're right. Zach Dawson really should have been Zach Gaff, right? (laughs) (laughs) 
Like, he was a guy who made mistakes, had brain fades all the time. I mean, don't you love that Zach Dawson's retired? He's like, well, I'll never have to worry about people slinging me, slanging me anymore. It's like, nah, two guys, one cup. Just going to have one last parting shot over the bow. Um, it was a horrible incident. Like, yeah. even when we saw it, you were do- busy doing something else and I was just yeah, um, checking the result on Twitter and it had just happened and someone had actually just filmed it off their TV, TV and posted it. And you could, I mean, you were just, you couldn't tell the context at that time, but... It was uh, it was pretty nasty. I think Ross Lyon uh, put it best when he said, "There's no winners in this. Like the whole thing's horrible. I mean, clearly it was a mistake by Andrew Gaff. Seems very remorseful, but it does ask the question of like, do they just need to ban those stupid punches? Like, does that just rule it out? Like, if you if suddenly it's not a fine, but it's a suspension, like an immediate one week, two week suspension, does that cut it out? I would be a hundred percent behind if they wanted to change the rule that you can't throw punches at all. Yeah, they're stupid. Yeah, they the are. games are moved on, and it's just stupid. All this like stupid jumper punching stuff. Like, I'm not punching you. I'm not punching mm, you. Mm. I'm not punching you. Yeah. Like you're fucking four years old. Like, shut the fuck up. Like, just. Grow up, go out and play football. It's a really hard game to play without the idea that somebody's going to be like punching you or like I didn't punch you above the neck so that's that's okay or whatever. Yeah. Just stop people punching people. Well, I think I think Jimmy Bartel said like whatever, if it's part of the game, then it stays in. So bumping, like if you want to show a bit of aggro, a bit of physical domination against your opponent, just go up and give them some bumps. Like that I think is fine, but clearly like – if, it, if you're throwing punches, like it's just a, it's, it's going to be a matter of time before something like that happens. I think there's two distinct categories, which is like football related and non football related. Yeah. Right? And they're the two. Like football related, yes, absolutely. I love that our game is hard, but it's hard because someone will jump on your shoulders at any stage. It's hard because someone can bump you legally, you know, off the ball without you seeing them coming because you're not running in straight lines. It's a fucking hard game. People are running 16, 17 kilometers. You're getting tackled constantly. It's a very fucking hard game to play. They're tough. They don't need to prove to me that they're tough by grabbing somebody's jumper and pretend punching each other. Mm. Any of that shit that's non-football, just cut it out. It's bullshit. It's a different era. Like, you know what I liked yeah. was that Fremantle didn't... I mean, I know they retaliated a bit, mm-hmm. but I actually thought it was good that they didn't really retaliate, you know, in in the way that they might have in the old, the yeah, old well, days. Because Well, Johnson had a clear shot to just iron him out and yeah. you saw him pull out at the last minute. I mean, still hit him. But it wasn't like lifting the elbow or anything like that. If it was even five years ago, do you remember, was it Collingwood, Richmond and Jake King? I think he laid out Pendlebury or something. And then as soon as they called called play on, like six buyers just descended from every angle, just like went straight past the ball and just like hammered him, like demolition derby style. Well, this is like, you know, the narrative around the game, right? I think there was even a little bit of it on Sunday, but I wasn't watching the commentary live. Um but that idea of like in the old days, it was like, well, you can't send Gaff back on. This is what seemed to be the commentary, right? Right. You can't send him back on. He's going to be murdered out there. <laughs> He's not going to be safe out there in the arena. You've got to keep him off. They're going to grab knives and sticks and bash him to death. They're going to kill him. But I'm kind of glad that it feels like the retribution would have been as shit as him doing it in the first place. Like Violence doesn't solve violence, Will. No. It doesn't, Charlie. I mean, do you, the end of this podcast. <laughs> do you remember that there's that Darren Milburn incident from years ago? I think it was like the late '90s or early 2000s, where he ironed out um, uh, Steve Silvani, 
And as he was running off, the Carlton fans were like booing him and going to the fence and stuff. So he started like applauding, like, you know, doing the kind of I'm a champion sign as he went off the ground. Now, in that instance, maybe there should be some retribution. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's dead now. Yeah. He, he was murdered. <laughs> Somebody was like, I'm going to let it go 15 years and then I'm going to murder him so no one suspects the two things are related. Well, they're talking about, because Gaff's out of contract. So free agent, uh, they're talking like, you know, he's Victorian, he's probably could go to uh, North or, or St Kilda if, if that's what he wants to do. And they were saying that one of the reasons he might want to do that is living in WA now, two-team town, every time he sees a Frio supporter, they're going to remind him of that incident. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, how, how can you go to a restaurant ever again? Like, you know, like I, I, you can't go out for a dinner at a restaurant because you don't know if the chef's like a Fremantle fan and he's going to put his balls oh, yeah. in your soup. You know what I mean? I like you can never, that. ever eat a meal in a restaurant where you haven't seen the food prepared because you'll know Andrew Gaff is going to have to get used to the taste. All these meals are going to taste salty because <laughs> the chefs are going to put their balls in his meals every time he goes to a restaurant. I love the idea that there'd be a chef who's willing to scold his testicles in a boiling hot pot of soup just to teach Andrew Gaff a lesson. Like, you sure you don't want to uh, give him the gazpacho? It's cold. It might not hurt your balls as much. No, no, no. He needs to be taught a lesson. Steve, don't do that. Ah, God. God. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, oh, the skin's coming off. Oh, but it's struggling to teach Gaff a lesson. Oh. <laughs> I mean, yes, that is what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, I think if you ordered just piping hot food all the time, you might be okay for not having balls stuck in it. <laughs> that'd, be my, that'd be my tactic. I mean, but your life's becoming so much more complicated. Now you've got to learn how to eat only hot food, which is fine if you're living in Melbourne in the middle of winter. But he lives in Perth. You're in Perth yeah. where it's hot most of the time and you're constantly having to order really hot food just because you're worried that a chef might put his balls in your food. Oh, just go the other way. All he eats is ice cream because, you know, no one's going to stick their balls in ice cream. It'd be way too cold. So... You just have to chat with the dietitian at West Coast and say, look, I know we're going to worry about skin folds, but there is a chance I'm going to be eating balls with every meal. So from now on, I'm just eating ice cream. And Andrew Gaff eats ice cream for a year. He ends up looking like Stewie Dew. <laughs> but like, this is all oh, part of his come plan. on. That's not fair. <laughs> you could at least say Cold Sylvia. Andrew Gaff <laughs> could never put on that much weight. And so, <laughs> no, no, I like Stewie Dew. I'm a pro Stewie Dew. Yeah, me too. Um, but Andrew Gaff eats ice cream for an entire year mm. and then he's eating ice cream, you know, feeling very smug about the fact that no one's put their balls in his ice cream and then the chef, they, out of the back of the restaurant, they all come out in their Fremantle gear <laughs> and they reveal the chef at that restaurant where he's been buying his ice cream is the former <laughs> chef at the Coogee Bay Hotel who put poo in his <laughs> ice cream and he's been serving him poo ice cream for nine months. Uh, I, did you see Ross Lyon, uh, his press conference after the game? I thought it was good. I thought it was very restrained and, and very diplomatic from Ross. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, he was I mean, he was pretty angry, and but rightly so. Yeah. I mean, young but he kept, Brayshaw. He kept control of it, though. I don't think, you know, I think he was... I think what he did was he put the attention on the victim. And I think that was the... Because there was a feeling, and I can understand this, there was a bit of backlash against David King. It's like 
you're already rushing to defend Andrew Gaffin is a good guy and he obviously didn't mean it. It's like, well, hang on, let's just for a second think about there's an 18 year old kid who needs like mouth reconstruction at the moment. I thought he did a good job. Well, this was a this this was the hard one about this, I reckon, because obviously universally in the AFL industry, Gaff. Yeah, he really isn't that sort of player. You know, he's never done anything like this before. He doesn't have a record. He really is a clean skin up to this moment. And I think most of us can see probably what happened, you know, what he was trying to do, and then the circumstances that led to this horrible thing. You know, I do think it was a bit of a, you know, a freak accident. Of course. I I think he should have got 10 plus weeks. I I think they should have made a really big sign. But I also think that, they should just ban punches because if they ban punches altogether, as we were talking about earlier, then he never would have been doing the thing that he wanted to do. Tell me, do you know what I mean, like, if you- give me a rationale for the ten plus, because I mean, sometimes I find the whole, you know, the weeks you get is kind of arbitrary anyway. Isn't the fact that he has the hefty suspension, you know, in the last ten decade or however long it's been, is doesn't that sort of send a message? Why does it have to be? What What does the extra two weeks say? Well, here's what I think he needs. I, I look. I don't. I don't think that it makes a huge difference. I just. I just don't like Andrew ten, Gaff. <laughs> no, I like Andrew Gaff. He seems like a. Apart from this, and even the way that he handled everything, but that moment, like from the minute it happened, you could tell that he was remorseful for what had happened. There was no sense of like. You know, and immediately after the game, he came out and said the right things. And he, yeah, he the way that he's he didn't handled say, it, I, I apologize to anyone's jaw of offended. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? He seemed to cop pretty much full responsibility at most stages of this that he did it and that, you know, he himself has kind of, you know, since come out and, you know, he's contacted Andrew personally and said that he wanted to come and talk to him face to face and all these sort of things. So yeah. he does actually seem like he is a, reasonably quality person who's done a terrible thing mm-hmm. and i think that our all of us can understand that even good people can sometimes do something really really terrible and then they have to pay the consequences of that i'm a big believer in over punishing people if you if like you know <laughs> good to know <laughs> well i just think you come back out of the other end of it better for it like if people feel like you've done your time you have more of an opportunity. I guess what I'm thinking about is Andrew Gaff post this. Yeah. Like, I feel like if you do your time, and I think people will feel like he's done his time because he's going to miss, you know, the Eagles potentially going to a grand final, you know. So it's a it's a very, very big penalty, you know. So it's pretty serious. But I think that it's like the Essendon thing. People just want to feel like people have paid their time and then they can go, okay, let's get on with it. Yeah. Put yourself in Andrew Gaff's shoes, right? So you're out of contract. You've done this, had this brain fade. You're copying it from all sides. The club has come out pretty strong in support of you. And I think they really did. Like West Coast, you know, really made a play to kind of back him up. And they obviously want to hang on to him. But knowing what you're going to be facing in the next, you know, right into two weeks and three weeks into the next season, do you just want to start fresh, or do you want to do you want to uh, um, repay the faith that the Eagles have put in you? I mean, I think the Eagles overplayed their hand. To be honest, this felt a bit like the old school Eagles to me. Like mm. I thought Adam Simpson was a little bit, 
didn't quite judge it as perfectly as he could have. And I don't think Trevor Nisbet judged it as perfectly as he could have either. I think that Brayshaw's come out of this looking, well, I was going to say looking amazing. He's not come out of it looking amazing. But I think in the way that he's handled it so far, you know, people will really admire that. And I think Gaff, after the incident itself, has been you know, he's handled this as well as he possibly could have handled this situation. Mm. I, don't, I don't know if West Coast and Adam Simpson handled it that well. I'm not sure it would make me... I think if I was him, I'd go. I'd start fresh somewhere else and I'd just never go to Western Australia again <laughs> for the rest of my life. <laughs> because essentially, Fremantle will hate you and then West Coast will hate you. Yeah, so all point. I would say is that would be part of my yeah. negotiations with St Kilda. I'd be like, I will come to the Saints, but I have a couple of things that I need in the contract. <laughs> One is... I do not play in Western Australia. I do not cross the line. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's right. Like 50% of the state hates you now, at least in football terms. So, I mean, you're never getting them back. Might as well just cut your losses, go to a state where you'll be embraced. And yeah, then suddenly you're you're being rested every time you have to go to Optus Stadium. Charlie, there was a point in my stand-up comedy career where I was like, fuck it. I don't need to go to the Gold Coast to do shows. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, good games on the weekend the Cats the team that you picked to not make the finals look like they've gotten closer than any team recently to the Tigers that was a fucking belter wouldn't it have been great if if Gaz had and ironically still might not make the finals yeah but if Gaz had nailed that goal that just would have been considering what you talked about last week when I was a bit lukewarm on Geelong making the finals. Then you're like, "Come on, Charlie, look at that! Like, what are they called? Danger Selwood? No, what are they? Danger Abwood? Wood Woodlet? Danger Woodlet? Is that what are they called now? Yeah, I think it's Danger Wood. Never really caught on, to be honest. I don't <laughs> like it. <laughs> Those three playing finals, and I reckon we got a sneak preview on the Friday. Like Gaz on the big stage, almost. You feel like. Maybe Gaz of two years ago would have nailed that. Not to take anything away from him, he'll probably win the fucking Brownlow this year. But, like, it was set up for the perfect finish. Well, here's what I would say, argue even more, Charlie. Like, to go to our narrative of what do you just want to see in the finals. Um, I think it's going to be a really exciting final series because I think to make it, you're going to have to have, you know, really, you know, be in pretty good form to make the finals. And I think the Ablett thing is the perfect setup for that rematch come the finals and the ball falls in Gary Ablett's hands again with, you know, a few seconds to go in the same situation. Mm. That to me is one of those like perfect scenarios where I'm like, well, we've set it up now. Ablett missed that time, but will he get it next time is now the narrative for me. So, yeah, I was excited about Geelong. I love the way that their tactic just seemed to be at all stages when we get the ball kick it up the middle and keep running. Oh, I don't care if there's no one there or whatever. Just <laughs> kick it up the middle and run up the middle. I don't know. Yeah, I know. It doesn't really make sense. It seems like a crazy kamikaze tactic, but fuck it. Let's just try it. And it almost worked. Yeah. And speaking of other another uh, a big stage performer, Lance Franklin, Mr. 20 Minutes All Year. Like, wasn't it so great to see, buddy? Like, whatever... Whatever they paid for him, it's been worth it. Even if for the next two years, I don't know how long he's got to go on his contract, if we can just get like two games a year where he does something like that, it's worth it. And you always get more than that. And we'll get more than that. You get half a dozen. Even on his seasons where he's struggling, you'd be able to find half a dozen games this season or you will by the end of the season where you go, that was worth it. 
that was worth, you know, going to the football to see Buddy Franklin do what. Just when he's on, he is unstoppable. He could have kicked nine. Yeah. He was so good. Yeah. And do you think Dan Hanabry's cooked? We talked about it last week briefly, and I was like, oh, I don't think so. But now I'm starting to think maybe maybe he maybe needs to move on. And I'm not just saying that because the Saints are talking about offering him a five-year deal. <laughs> yeah, well, isn't that where St Kilda are at at the moment? Yeah. That your best hope for next year is to sign someone who we're all talking about, is he shot, is his career over, yeah. to a five-year deal. <laughs> it doesn't seem like... To me, that isn't like leading with your best offer, really. Well, la- last week, you brought it up, and I was like, come on, he's a champion. You never write off a champion. He's only 27. And then I heard that the Saints might be offering him five years. Now I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's not... You know, I mean, you can be a champion for another club. Let's just take it easy. Everyone just take a deep breath. <laughs> Um, I think that Hanabry, if he, if he gets fit, he strikes me as one of those players who's been struggling with chronic injury and overwork. And if that he was able to get like, you know, fit in the right way and in the right environment, that he's still got a lot of good football left in him. But I don't think if he St Kilda offering him five years is exactly what St Kilda needs, is it? I think he it feels to me like you know that yeah it doesn't well not not right. five years, but I imagine. You could, you could, I could see him doing a Sean Higgins where it's like just couldn't get his body right at the Bulldogs, went to a new club, fresh start, and then pulled it together. I mean, Sean Higgins was always a quality footballer. He just needed that fresh start. But I don't think North signed him to a long-term deal. No, I think Hanabry's like, you know, like, you know when somebody like buys a $35,000 Porsche yeah. out of the trading post? Yeah. You're like, it still looks like a Porsche. And you, you, you're like, we own a Porsche, yeah. but it doesn't really go like a Porsche anymore. Yeah. It's got too many miles on it and it kind of clunks and you're like, it doesn't really get out of third. Like that's, <laughs> that's what it feels like. Yeah. I mean, I think what you would want to, I mean, obviously they have to do the medical, uh, uh, the medical checks, but I think what they want and what I think St Kilda needs is we just need some senior players to, and I said to you this on, on, at the game on Saturday, like leadership, we actually need strong leaders out there. And whether or not he's like only 70% of the player he was, like I think having someone out there who's played in premierships, who's been at a successful club, maybe that's what you're importing. Yeah, I agree with that. And look, he's obviously a, was and probably will continue to be a champion player. And it was really unfortunate what happened to him in the 2016 grand final. And, you know, I think he's a good player. I, I, all I hope is, regardless of where he's playing his football in the future, that we get to see him at his best or close to his best again at some stage. I mean, he's fucking crazy, isn't it, that we're talking about a 27-year-old man as, like, maybe being done. You know, that thing that football players or any athlete really faces of being done before you're 30, that's fucking crazy. I mean, you've dedicated your life to this one sport. You've probably been playing it since you were 12 years old. And then 15 years later, you're done. Thanks very much. Get on with the rest of your life. (laughs) Yeah, remember how like you know you came third in the Brownlow like three years ago? You're done. Yeah, you're done. Hey, I hope you like the Gold Coast because that's where you're going to be playing for the next two years. <laughs> what did you think about John O'Brown's radical uh, solution to fixing the Gold Coast? What was his radical solution to fixing the Gold oh, Coast? Let's see if I can bring it up, Mike. How can you just Google uh, Jonathan Brown's uh, fix for the Gold Coast? I can give you the cliff notes, but essentially. He was saying they need to copy exactly what GWS did. They still have a very good uh, core of young, talented players, but they need to import the Dirty Dozen, 
essentially, they need to get a good core of five or six really senior players from clubs with strong culture. And so you're saying like a Dan Hanabry, a McVeigh from Sydney, maybe grab a couple other players from Victorian clubs, but you send up a nucleus of six really good seasoned players and then just basically start again, GWS style. Yeah, I think there's some real value in that. Like that makes sense to me. And I think if you could get the ones that are, I mean, you maybe you don't need the, I reckon you could get still our idea of, you know, people who still think they have another year left in the game. Like, you know, I, I do think there is an opportunity to get your, you know, your Luke Hodge or, you know, to get, you know, Nick Rewalt, you know, might've, you know, been tempted to do that sort of thing yeah. or whoever. Yeah. Um, but if you can get that next level as well, I think that's what they really need, isn't it? Yeah. They need a few of those players who just, you know, would love that opportunity to, you know, play more regularly or to, you know, who are really dedicated and committed to going up there and making a go of it. Yeah. I mean, I still like your Dirty Dozen idea better than anything. <laughs> I reckon you just go to all the players who've been moved on or retired and just give them like a one last mission kind of a, a directive. Yeah, and I think it should be a regular thing. Like, I That's think the I mean. Gold Coast, yeah, they should be... as a franchise, should only be a combination of... Like, their list should constantly be compromised of, like, players who have just been recently drafted, you know, like, yeah. exciting brand-new young players, and, you know, players who, like, have one or two years left in the game. And I think to add some more razzle-dazzle to it, like, because they're always filming something up in the Gold Coast. You know, you saw a Dolph Lundgren there or a Matt Damon. or So whatever Hollywood stars visiting, they get to coach one of the games, at one of the home games, <laughs> just for no reason. I love it. Just get Dolph out, coaching. I would absolutely love that. Or at least, like, he's a celebrity coach uh, quarter. What about... So, like, you get locals... Or what about they play a quarter? You put them in the forward pocket for a quarter. I like it. You know who could do that? Who? Like if GWS ever get to the point where they're as good as we all imagine they could be. Imagine if to try to get people interested in going to the football at GWS, they offered celebrities the opportunity to play. Like, oh, yeah. Because they beat Carlton on the weekend with 16 players, right? Yeah. That would have been the perfect opportunity to let, you know, Melissa Doyle play in the forward <laughs> pocket. Yeah. You just need a team that is good enough that they can just cover for you. Right. It'd be like the Harlem Globetrotters of the AFL. Or you can have a round, like, you know, they have themed rounds, you know, mm. they have the country round or they have the reconciliation round. Uh, maybe they could have a celebrity supporter round yeah. where each of the teams are able to pick a celebrity supporter to play and the two celebrities have to play on each other. Oh, well, for the two guys won Cup Cup next year, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, when We're- Molly Meldrum plays on Ernie Sigler. <laughs> That actually, I would pay money to see that. How awesome would that be? In Dead Rubbers. In the Dead Rubbers, at the end of the season, they pick a celebrity. Because you know what? They want to put the players in for operations and stuff like that. So they pick each week one prominent celebrity from each team to play on each other in the game. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Did you, um, uh, you saw the showdown. Uh, I saw I saw some of the showdown. Yeah, Josh Jenkins, Josh Jenkins non-goal goal at the end. Yeah, well, it wasn't a goal. Even he said it wasn't a goal. He said it hit the post. He said his grandmother told him not to lie, Charlie, and uh, he couldn't tell a lie, and that it hit the post. I mean, if you're an Adelaide supporter, how do you feel about that? One of your players coming out and saying, "Ah, eh, hit the post." 
Well, he's still won, so you probably don't care. And Josh Jenkins, he's playing the sort of game as somebody who wants to run for Adelaide state politics when he leaves his AFL playing career because he's playing both sides. He's given the Port Adelaide fans a bit of like, I hear you. I think it hit the post as well. You know, I'm your guy. And people are like, hey, Josh Jenkins. But the, what a nice guy. Here's the thing, Josh Jenkins' grandmother. Like, you don't, You know, I understand you don't You don't ever want to tell a lie, but you could also just be ambiguous about it. You don't have to answer it. Like, when they say, do you think that was a goal? You can just sort of shrug, oh, I don't know, mate. Like, the umpires call it what it is. That way you're not saying yes or no. You're sort of just palming it off to someone else. Josh Jenkins' no, grandmother. No, you're, you're still lying. Like, if you say, I don't know, that's a lie. Is because it? Because you do know but, that you hit the post. <laughs> but you may not know. Like, he could have thought he hit the post, but maybe he was wrong. So that, by oh, definition, you're saying, is, you're I don't saying, know. Is there a possible scenario that Josh Jenkins didn't know that he hit the post? Yeah. And he should take that small possibility yes. into consideration. Yeah. I would, if I was Josh Jenkins, I would say, to quote the famous scientist uh, Albert Einstein, there are multiple uh, multiple <laughs> dimensions. And sure, in this timeline, <laughs> maybe I hit the post, but quantum mechanics suggests that if you're looking at the post, it is if you're not looking at the goals, it is either it is both a goal and a point. When you look at it, it becomes confirmed. <laughs> but there is a world in which I didn't hit it, and I'm going to take that as the score. The journalist is like, was that all an Einstein quote? Were you quoting him that whole time? Which bit was the Einstein bit? Look over there. <laughs> Jumps the fence. Josh, Josh. We're in your changing rooms, Josh. <laughs> Josh, Josh, stop trying to climb the wall. Josh, uh, you can see Josh Jenkins is stuck halfway out the window. Currently, the property he's got steward a is... gaffer tape under his nose. He's trying to convince people he's Tex Walker. <laughs> Two property stewards are currently trying to pull him back in through the window by the legs. <laughs> Josh. Uh, Essendon, can't make it now. I feel okay about that. Well, technically, still can make it. Still can make it technically, but um, probably won't. they would need a lot of things to go right for that to happen. So, yeah, probably won't make it. Yeah, and so, uh, as you said on to me on Saturday, so it just looks like Hawthorne's going to get a Brownlee medalist and play finals again. Just an average year for Hawthorne. Yeah. I mean, but they went through that tough patch of, I don't know, like not you know, not May playing or finals or something <laughs> for <laughs> yeah, a I year. Oh man, they are just. I watched that game and gee, it was a super game of football. Like mm. it was just so entertaining to watch. Like both teams just played. Uh, I'll tell you who. Like I mean, he played an amazing game, but, but I haven't watched him have like a big standout game like this for a while. But Stratton is awesome hmm. he had a really fantastic game he's a bit of an underrated player i think stratton and his mullet like i can't believe that we don't constantly talk about his hair on this show because it's like he's in poison yeah like i don't know what like his hair doesn't feel like it fits on his head it feels like he's going to a costume yeah party as a bogan like the theme is 80s hair metal yeah and he's just whacked it on before the game i mean hawthorne of like Hawthorne's like a, your favourite TV show and the lead actors have left. Charlie Sheen left, you know, because he wants more money or whatever. And then they get some new cast in or the supporting cast step up and take over and you're like, oh, you know what? I actually think uh, I like John Cryer a bit more than than Charlie Sheen. I think that they didn't really need Charlie Sheen in the first place. Suddenly yeah, you've got like it's, it's, Isaac Smith and Hawthorne, Luke Haw Bruce. Hawthorne of the TV series, Hawthorne of the TV series The West Wing. Yeah, right. Like, 
you're just like, yeah, season five wasn't that good, but you know, it got good again. Mm. Jimmy Smith's was in it. He was really good. You actually really like Jimmy Smith's. <laughs> like that's that's what fucking Hawthorne are. Yeah, totally. Hawthorne are like cheers. <laughs> Like, Frasier's getting his own show. I'll never watch that. You know what? In many ways, this is superior to the original show. <laughs> I just love... Uh, Isaac Smith has just become such a complete midfielder now. Like, because I think, you know, uh, back when it was the midfield was sort of Sam Mitchell and um, uh, Jordan Lewis and stuff, he was more of that kind of wingman, wasn't he? He was just a, a distributor. But now we fucking... He does it all. Like he moves all over the ground. He goes in the forward line and kicks goals. And he's, it's like we completely ignored the fact there's too many people to look at in that, in that Hawthorne triple premiership era. And we just completely ignore the fact that they have a six foot four midfielder who's super fucking quick and can kick goals. Yeah. I mean, they have so many good players. Imagine being in a position where you don't miss Cyril Rioli. Uh. Like, I mean... You know, imagine being in that position. And they are, again, like when you talk about teams' haircuts, which is something that, you know, we do like to do on this show. Like if you talk about Smith, if you talk about Stratton, and then you talk about, let's say, Ruffy, right? Mm -hmm. If you saw those three guys just in a bar, not in their football uniforms, you'd be like, how do those three guys know each other? <laughs> like they're this team of, like they all seem like really distinct, different personalities yeah they're like and hawthorne like they all have their own thing going on they're like the avengers each one of them is a different personality type how will these guys get along well it turns out they all bring their individual strengths to the game yeah like james sicily is like you know again like they all have like they all you, the avengers is such a good example because they all have their own special superpowers and they don't seem to lap over they just seem to work well together yeah I can't actually I forgot James Sisley didn't even play on the weekend did you to get him back this no. week so they're probably gonna yeah, they could even win a final wouldn't that be great Hawthorne wins their first final when last year we were talking about the collapse of the empire like they're potentially gonna finish last or second last and that, yeah, that, that, that lasts that lasts about 12 weeks <laughs> I mean, they should come out in the finals to, you know, that start, uh, the start of, uh, you know, Will the Real Slim Shady, is it the real, guess who's back? Back, back again. again. <laughs> that's, that's, again, fucking Hawthorne. We guess who's back, Hawthorne. You barely fucking went away, Hawthorne, and now you're back. We get it. You're awesome. Speaking of awesome, how good were the Demons looking? I mean, I know they're playing the Gold Coast, but that midfield... Fucking great. Really good to watch. Well, that game was, you know, it was a round of like obviously really close games. But, you know, we, we joked, you know, last week about the idea of like showing GWS as like a football clinic to people who didn't mm. understand football. But you could have said the same of that Melbourne match. Yeah. They were just amazing. It was so good to watch. But it was like it was an exhibition game. Yeah. It was like. Yeah, the Gold Coast were just there so that Melbourne had people to like climb on the back of or run around. Yeah, I mean, there was a, an article that came out today saying that the problems of the Gold Coast, uh, their facilities apparently aren't even AFL standard. They're like NIFL standard. But this was going back... Yeah, they were, well, they were working out of demountables and portables that, and stuff. That's right. And, but this, this started back in 2012. So it's been six years and their situation has improved. So what has crazy Tony Cochran been doing? Some sort of pyramid scheme, I imagine. <laughs> That's all a real estate scam. <laughs> yeah. 
It's all about timeshare. Every Gold Coast Suns fan is actually invested in a timeshare. And Tony Cochran now lives in Panama. <laughs> He's like, we've sold eight games to Panama and six to Bermuda for next season. Yeah, when he does the uh, when he does the members AGM at the start of the year, it's it's uh, he's in shadow and they've distorted his voice. <laughs> Um, let's look at some letters we've been sent this week. Yes. Okay. Um, now this is great. Uh, I've got some information here. We've talked in the past, um, about, uh, Rory Lobb's three quarter sleeve, which has baffled us. We don't know what's going on. We've got some info here. So this is from Aiden. Aiden says, Hey fellas, great podcast as usual. I just wanted to give you some info I heard on a podcast called the footy Phil. Do you know who that's by Will? Um, Phil Matera. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, Phil Davis. It's a podcast hosted by Giants captain Phil Davis. So apparently oh, yeah, okay. Rory Lobb played in Manica against Fremantle earlier this year and it's called a Manica. So Rory wore the long sleeve Guernsey. Manica. Oh, is it Manica? Yep. Okay. Manica. Uh, so apparently Rory uh, wore the long sleeve Guernsey but had the sleeves pushed up. Apparently played really well, so he now considers the sleeves at three-quarter length good luck. Although I'd have to listen back to the podcast to confirm whether or not they're hemmed in or still pushed up. Okay, then he comes back. Aiden's gone back and listened to the episode. So thank you, Aiden. Like, it's it's good enough that you recalled this information and, and took the time to share it with us. We don't expect you to do further research, but uh, we appreciate it. So he comes back and says, okay. So the episode is round 19 of the footy fill and we're 14 minutes in. The jumper is a full-length jumper that doesn't quite make the distance down his arms, so he tucks it up a bit. He first wore the jumper in round one at Manu... I'm going to fuck... Manuka? What are those? Manaka? (laughs) (laughs) What is it? Manuka. Manuka. Okay, Manuka. Manuka. Okay. (laughs) I know I'm going to... Now you sound like you're in Friends. (laughs) Yeah, Manuka. He, he first won the jump in round one at Monica. <laughs> I can't fucking say this. Against the Bulldogs. Sorry, Will. I hoped it was against Frio. And he's played well now and considers it a lucky charm. So, mystery solved. I mean, this is the thing. Sockgate's been gone on pretty much for two and a half years, but we've solved the mystery of Rory Lobb's three-quarter sleeves in one episode. Yeah, because it was about one person and there was only kind of like one answer and it had already been revealed on another podcast. <laughs> like the socks, it's different from club to club and person to person and situation to situation. There's a myriad of answers to our dilemma. Plus, there's not another podcast where we can just go and find the answer. <laughs> Lisa emails in to say, hey, guys. Uh, During your latest episode, when Charlie knocked his beer against the glass and it made you laugh about a broken siren at country footy, remember that? We made some gag about some guy running onto the field with a cowbell to let everyone know it was quarter time. Reminded me of a story about my granddad, Popsy. I assume that's granddad's. I mean, Popsy, P-A-R-P-S-I-E. That'd be a nickname, right? Like Pops, Popsy. Can I just, um, just hang on. I'm hearing a dog barking. I don't think it's one of mine. Okay. They really seem distressed what whoever's dog it is. Okay, take a little break. All right, so we're back. Uh, okay, this is about uh, 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 Lisa's granddad, Popsy. He was the timekeeper at the Kalangadu A-grade football team 
in the Mid-Southeast League in South Australia. They were playing against their arch-nemesis, Glencoe, and it was a very close game in the final quarter with Kalangadu just in front. My granddad got a bit overexcited and pressed the siren too early <laughs> and everyone thought the game was over. He then had to tell everyone to keep playing and that was the fault with the siren. I don't remember if Kalengadu ended up winning that game, but it sure made a great story. Thanks to the great podcast. I love whether you talk about footy or nothing about footy, but hairstyles and socks. Love, Lisa. Well, here's what I'm going to say, Charlie. I hope that Kalengadu's theme song when they have a victory is Kalengadu, do, do, kick the 40, grab the mark, Kalengadu, do. Do, kick do, the footy do. on the park. Do the left, do the right. <laughs> jump up and down and do the knees. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> it works quite well. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> uh, now, Today we've got some real Kalanga do's <laughs> and some Kalanga don'ts <laughs> that I expect from you boys out there. All uh, right. Uh, that's no, we've never had much. No, no whispers from the West this week. I guess everyone's over there. Oh, no. We do have a whisper from the West. Which also tells. Do you think their coach has ever done an inspirational speech uh, in a grand final where they say, don't just stand there, Kalenga, do something? (laughs) Sorry. We do have one whisper from the West, which nicely tails into Nat Life, Nat Fife. Nat Fife, Nat Life. Um, uh, This is from. Oh, God, I keep losing these fucking. Kate. This is from Kate. She sent a photo of a certain Fremantle Dockers player at training. Obviously, he's injured at the moment. Hair pulled into a nice top knot. He's doing a handball drill as he warms up. And he's wearing John Lennon-esque sunglasses. The only player at training doing a handball drill wearing sunglasses. And Kate has written underneath it, just another introvert casually hanging out doing introverted things in introverted glasses. What a hashtag individual. But seriously, you know what the thing is, uh, Charlie. Yeah. That when he's at footy training, uh, Nat Fife likes to imagine there's no people. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got one more thing I want to read before we get to the tips next week. When I was looking for that John O'Brown article about the Gold Coast, I stumbled across the greatest headline. Uh, this is uh, from thewest.com.au. Uh, the headline is Gold Coast Suns chairman Tony Cochran, quote, keep throwing all the shit at us you like. <laughs> the chairman, not their angry mascot, no. not the Joffa of the Gold Coast. Their chairman. Their chairman. In an emotional defense of his struggling AFL club, Gold Coast chairman Tony Cochran admits chronic errors have been made and the Suns need more help to become competitive. The Suns have won just 43 of the 164 games and have never played finals in their eight seasons. Six straight losses and some damning stats have again put the club in the sight of critics. Comparing the AFL to the English soccer's top competition, Cochran agreed with Brisbane Lions champion John O'Brown's suggestion that draft concessions were necessary for clubs like the Gold Coast. It's in the best interest of the competition that everybody, every few years, has a really good chance to win, Cochrane said on SEN. We're not the only ones stuck down the bottom for a while. We've got a couple of mates there down there with us. <laughs> you end up like the English Premier League, a handful of teams currently <laughs> at the top and also rounds at the bottom. I love that his excuse is, yeah, we're useless, but they're also useless. <laughs> Look how useless they are. Cochrane's call comes after Brown urge the AFL to bulk up the Suns list courtesy of draft concessions or risk having it fold. 
Cochrane took aim at the critics. He said we're short-sighted and unreasonable. He singled out Hawthorne's long run of mediocrity when it was first installed in the competition as a reminder that it's never been easy for new clubs. How long ago was that, though? Are we talking like, it's not like the 1800s. When, when did Hawthorne join the league? I mean... Yeah, when you have to go a fair way back, don't you? When yeah. you're just like, well, yeah, Hawthorne weren't any good when they joined the league a hundred years ago. <laughs> yeah. So what about that current fresh example? If another world war breaks out, we're hardly to blame if we don't make the finals. <laughs> you bet we need some help. There's been some chronic errors made in the past and we need some help to fix those errors, said Cochrane, while also selling shares in a pyramid scheme. <laughs> and here's the way to fix it. We were given a pretty hard start, spent the first six years of our existence in tin sheds. But now the AFL is booming at the grassroots level. We only have one problem, and that's we don't have enough ovals. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love Tony Cochran. That's the one problem you guys have? What about the retaining of all your star players? What about dwindling the fact that your previous three captains have all left the club and your other captain is probably going to leave the club as well? No, nope. just we need a spare oval. That is the only issue we have. What about the fact that you haven't been able to keep a coach and the fact that the Gold Coast is traditionally like a black hole for sporting teams? Nope, just need one more <laughs> oval and everything else falls into place. Cochran admitted that talks of premierships was a little while off but that he trusted new coach Stuart Dew and chief executive Mark Evans to head them, head them in that direction. That comes despite the Suns averaging just 35 points across their past three games since ending a run of nine straight away games to start the season. They have lost six games in a row and have not, have not won contested possession count in any of those encounters. Last weekend against Greater Western Sydney, <clears throat> the Suns failed to take a single mark inside 50 metres. Is it the lack of success driving me nuts? Yes, it is. <laughs> no, mate. You no, were nuts no, it's not way like before you the arrived lack of success. Nuts. <laughs> yeah. Your nickname was Nobby when you arrived at the club because you were 100% nuts. You are. Even Nutella looks at you and says, you're too nutty, Tony. Calm down a little bit. Is it the lack of success driving me nuts? Yes, it is. But you can't take your eye off the big job, and that's to build this club into a respected and considered part of the AFL community, said Cochrane, while smearing his own feces on the wall. <laughs> Cochrane, who combines his job as being chairman of the Gold Coast Suns with being the Brisbane poo jogger. <laughs> Keep throwing all this shit you like at us. I'm telling you, we're going to survive. We're going to be a success and a long-term part of the AFL, said Cochran while eating you his own shoes. You can throw shit at me, but I've already covered in my own shit, so I don't even care because your shit's getting mixed up with the shit I've already smeared on myself. Uh, I just want Gold Coast to exist just so we can have more press conference from Tony Cochran. Well, maybe that's the direction they should go. Yeah. Maybe that should be their pre-match entertainment. They just get Tony Cochran out in the middle and you can just throw him a topic and he like freestyles for an hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd go to that. All right. Should we look ahead to the games this week? Yes. Mike Hal, if you could bring those up, please. On Friday night, it's the Saints taking on the Bombers at Etihad Stadium. So you think, well, not you think, but mathematically the Bombers... Uh, or a chance. So they need to win this. And I feel like St Kilda, who knows? Who knows what we need to do? I'm sure we're going to just put in a couple of young players. We have basically no forward line at the moment. So I'm sure we'll throw, no Ruckman and no forward line. So we'll throw a couple of young kids in there and have a run around. But 
Uh, Essendon should win this game. Essendon will win and win easy. They're, I reckon Essendon are good. They were unlucky to lose mm. on the weekend, I thought. And um, yeah, no, they're, they're still a pretty good side. And while they've still got some hope, they're going to play uh, really well. This could be ugly for St Kilda, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, look, it's been an ugly season, so it's just degrees of ugly. <laughs> yeah, but I think this will be ugly. This will be like a group of college guys got together that have a competition to see if they could date the ugliest person. Ah, how ugly this will be. Oh, my God. And all of a sudden, I'm emotionally invested. We're not <laughs> ugly. You'll see. We take off our glasses. We let our hair down. And then we chip. <laughs> oh, my God. You were beautiful all along. <laughs> no, no. Then we chip over down the stairs and break our leg. <laughs> Yeah, because we really need those glasses. Yeah, we really, really need those glasses. And our hair is full of nits. <laughs> uh, all right. So, um, on Saturday, Charlie, yeah, uh, I am now reading off the AFL website, afl.com.au, uh, 1.45 uh, p.m. match at the MCG How's this for a game of football? Uh, always one of the best games of the entire season, but uh, the Hawks and the Cats mm. uh, at the MCG on a Saturday afternoon. Gee, there's been some good Saturday afternoon games recently. Yeah, I mean, people will still be buzzing after the uh, the, the Friday night clash between the Saints and the Bombers. And here's, here's round two, I'm sure, and what's going to be like a, another tight uh, round of football. Uh, yeah, this will be awesome. It always is. doesn't matter where they are on the ladder. It's always a good game. Uh, I don't know. I feel like Hawthorne will win this. I feel like Hawthorne are just... Hawthorne are like... If this was a, a movie where like, you know, an assassin has been in retirement for a while, but he's been lured back out for one last job and he's a bit rusty, but now he's just starting... Like he's had his first big fight and he's like killed six dudes, you know, and he's starting to get all his skills back. I feel like Hawthorne's just tuning up to cause some damage in September. I could definitely like see a scenario where I'd like to see Hawthorne and Geelong play both in the finals. So I'm going to say uh, that they're going to play a tie, and that's my oh lock of the week. Is that the first time ever we've locked a week, uh, lock, done a lock for a tie? I don't know. I like it. <laughs> but that is what I'm doing for this game. I believe I, it's going to be a tie. I like it. Sorry. I just and noticed... really put an extra like element into the final scenario with a tie. I just noticed out of the corner of my eye, like on uh, so on the Skype screen, you get two little windows where you can see like uh, where Mike Hal is on the call and yourself. And I can see Mike Hal's got a screen share up. So I'm looking like he's scrolling through the AFL website. It's quite distracting. Oh. But I'm glad. That, okay. So what? that happened before as well. I don't know why. Oh, is that you? I must have done. Oh, that's you. I must have done something. That's me. Oh, right. That's so you screen. can actually see my screen, right? Yeah, I can. Yeah, Mike Howell could see my screen before. I was like, I'm glad I didn't have anything on my screen. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. like, I was I was responding to a work email and he was like, I can read your email. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. That's not good. All right, what's the next game? <laughs> it's that, 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 no, that, by that, the way, Skype, that, that's the sort of thing that shouldn't be this easy to do. Yeah. <laughs> Did I pick Hawthorne? I don't know if I did, but I, I did. I'm picking Hawthorne. Uh, I'm going to, yeah, pick a tie. Um, all right, Suns at uh, 2.10, which you'll be able to see on my screen. Suns at uh, 2.10 uh, at Metricon um, against the Richmond Tigers, which, I mean, if you're going to pick a boil over, like, I mean, the unlikely idea of the Suns you know, beating Richmond, but there's absolutely no way in the world that Richmond will lose that match. Well, look, here's what I don't know who... Well, no, I know Richmond's going to win, but what I want, <laughs> I want Tony Cochran to come out and declare 
that there is no way the Suns will lose this match. That Tony Cochran says he will crawl nude down Cavill Ave if the Suns lose this game. I will crawl nude covered in my own shit. Tony, why do you keep bringing that up? I insist covered in my own shit and any shit that other clubs want to throw at me. Uh, this The Tigers will, uh, will absolutely destroy them. Destroy them. Jack Higgins to kick five. Uh, Port Adelaide, we didn't really talk about the the amazing game that it was in Adelaide. We talked about Josh Jenkins and that was it. That was enough. Yeah. I mean, we didn't really give it much more than that. Robbie Gray is an amazing player. Yeah. Um, Crouch is great for Adelaide. Anyway, that was a really good game. It was a fantastic game. Um, uh, Port Adelaide taking on the Eagles. And the Eagles, I think, have won their last four against Port Adelaide at the Adelaide Oval. Oh, so it's at Adelaide? Um, yeah. How do the Eagles respond to this week? Do they come? They, they've lost their three best players essentially now. Yeah, yeah. It looks like uh, JJK won't be playing on the weekend. Gaff's out and Nat Nanui out. It's a lot at your top end to lose. And you got um, and you've got to put on the rebound. Yeah. Oh, by the way, like how grumpy was Ken Hinckley at the press conference? I loved it. Grumpy Ken. <laughs> well, I mean, I th- he had good reason to be grumpy. Yeah. Like, you know, he was just like, don't we have technology for that? Like, isn't this the exact reason you brought in this fucking technology? Um, And, you know, he's right. It has real world consequences for him. You know, he's coaching for his career and the difference between them making the finals and not making the finals in regard to his life and his career, for it to be decided by somebody else's mistake Mm. must be immensely disappointing. Uh, I'm going to pick Port Adelaide on the rebound. It's a tough one. I've been on the Eagles all season, but I, I, you know what? I like the way that Port are playing, and yeah, I, I think Port. I think I, you know, Eagles are definitely going to make the finals anyway. I'd like to see Port, Port win this one. Yeah, right. Uh, Collingwood take on the Lions at Etihad Stadium, in which a danger game for the Pies. I would have said this is a good game. I think this would be great. Uh, yeah, Pies wounded. Ah. I don't know. I mean, it's relative to the wall, Will. Coming off a loss at the SCG, more injured players. Brisbane should have won last week. How relative to the wall is Collingwood's back? I mean, I think the back is a bit closer to the wall. You know, people have been talking about the tipping point. Yeah. Yeah, they've got to the tipping point this season. Look, I think... Maybe Dugowie's back this weekend. Yeah. I still think that Collingwood have got... There's something about this Collingwood team and the way that they play that I, I'm going to believe in and I'm going to say the Pies win this one, but you could definitely see the Lions giving them a decent scare. I'm going to pick the Lions because they're my favourite team this year, my other team, and that's my lock of the week. You might be right on that. They might also be my kind of secret you know, favourite team as well. They're so good to watch. Yeah. I, I really hope it's a great game. I'd like to watch that game. <laughs> Did you say they're your secret favourite team? <laughs> yes. It's like, you're, uh, it's like you're having an illicit affair with another team. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> well, I, I always had a bit of a soft spot for the Brisbane Lions in their like premiership era. I always loved the way they played football. I went to all their grand finals. I saw them win all those grand finals and I, I really enjoyed it. You know, mm. I loved a lot of their players and... Um, and it's been a pretty terrible time for them. And the fact that, like, I mean, you know, I love Chris Fagan. Mm. Like, I even loved with, um, uh, what's uh, old mate who missed the goal with the hilarious haircut? Uh, Cam um, Rayner. Cam Rayner. 
Um, you know, just even the way that Fagan kind of yeah treated that whole Rainer situation. Like essentially, Chris Fagan's thing was like he was like, "Oh yeah, we haven't even practiced what to do in the final minutes if we're close yet." <laughs> Like, like, it's like we're concentrating on other shit. Yeah. We, we're not at the scenario where we're like the most important thing in our week. We were wrapped that we were that close. Yeah. At some stage, we'll practice what to do in that scenario, but it's not on our priorities and, list. And then you also say something along the lines of like, Cam Rainer's going to find himself in that position many more times in his career and he's going to be fine. <laughs> like, we're not worried about yeah. this. Like, this dude's going to be an out and out champion. We're not, we're not sweating on this. Yeah, no, we're cool, man. We're cool. <laughs> Everything's fine. Um, they're fantastic, Brisbane. Yeah, they are. Uh, but I reckon Collingwood. Um, all right, Giants take on um, uh, the Crows. Well, that's uh, another good game. New South Wales. Is that um? I just okay. Um, gee, oh, I don't know. Giants got injury issues. I think that means Canberra. I think that means it's at Monica. I think you knew your New South Wales is their Monica. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's, I mean, I love the Giants, obviously, um, but it's just hard to see how they cope with all those injuries. It looks like Delidio's done for, uh, for the year, probably. No luck, that guy. Yeah. No. Um, um, oh. they're pretty good, the Giants, though, and they go pretty deep. Um, yeah, they've obviously lost a lot of quality players. Yeah, Adelaide have um, got some momentum, though. Are they out of funnels? calculations or no they could still make it as well mathematically there's still a chance jeez oh, i don't know i feel i've got a feeling about the crows in this game i'm going to pick the crows i'm going to say the giants just for fun uh north melbourne uh take on the western bulldogs at etihad stadium in a game that north still look like they could make the finals north melbourne they need to win this i'd say north are going to win that just because they need to win it and the bulldogs don't need to win it but um I, I'm going to pick the Bulldogs anyway just because, you know, why not? Let's have some fun. But I would say North win that. I would hope that North Melbourne tags JJ. <laughs> Doesn't let yeah. him just run free and get 42 possessions. Uh, yeah, I'm going to pick North in that game as well. Demons take on the Swans uh, at the MCG oh, a good, you in know a what? danger game. It's not as good as last week, but there are at least three games this round which will be good to watch. Hawthorne, Cats... I reckon Giants Adelaide in this game. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Uh, on form, you'd say that Melbourne win that. But um, I'm going to hold out some hope <laughs> that Melbourne can still miss the finals <laughs> from here, which would be... <laughs> so... Still holding out hope. Amazing. This is, this is where the wobble starts for me right. and questions start to get asked and the prophecy becomes true. Yeah. So I'm going to say that Melbourne, after their uh, exhibition game last week, come up against the hard and tough Sydney Swans and uh, they lose. Well, you and know they what? start to wobble and worry there about that, making the finals. There was that footage of Brayshaw and Petrarca celebrating after the game. They are doing this cute little like chin rub, obviously laughing. And, you know, and I was like, you know what the thought I had, Will? Looks like some people are drinking their own bathwater. <laughs> Looks like there's some bathwater drinkers there. You know what happens when Melbourne drinks their own bathwater, don't you? Well, you know what it's like, Charlie? And this is just how much your perception of a team colours the exact same information. Because if it was two Richmond players doing that, we'd be like, oh, they just love each other, don't they? How much fun at Richmond. Look how good mates they are. They yeah. have a little thing. But because it's Melbourne, we're like, bathwater drinkers. <laughs> Bathies. Look at those bathies. I mean, I like, I love it too, because in the... In the narrative you can draw on this is that the Bathies are taking on the no dickheads policies. It's kind of like a clash yep. of two cultures. 
<laughs> yeah, it's the no dickheads versus the sprinkling of dickheads. <laughs> Look, they only really have one dickhead. They don't have, a, they don't have more than one, do they? <laughs> Simon Goodwin's like, uh, the Sydney Swans have a no dickheads policy and we have a predominantly good blokes. But just with dickheadish qualities. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I who will are you pick. Picking? Uh, I I too think that I would love to see the wobble start now, so I'll pick the Swans just in the hope that we can have something to laugh about next week. And uh, Freo and Carlton uh, over in Fremantle, so you imagine that Fremantle win that one? Yeah, 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 yeah. And how many people are going to tune into that one? You reckon? Oh boy, like it's who cares? <laughs> Isn't that just a who cares match? Yeah. Yeah, no one cares. Net five will be back in a couple of weeks, they think, and then we can yeah. care. And then we can care again. <laughs> I'd rather for two hours they just do a little documentary on what Net Five's made up to that week. <laughs> yeah, they do like a two-hour episode of Net. Today's game has been replaced by, on agreement of both teams, today's game has been uh, replaced by an edition of Nat Life, a two-hour documentary about what Nat's been up to this week. Not even a documentary. I reckon they've just set up cameras in Nat's Fife's mansion. So we just see Nat walking around in his tracksuit pants with his beanie and his brown low on, just making smashed avo, I reckon, reading his like pilot's manual for his helicopter and stuff. Just like CCTV-type footage, just flying the wall Well, you know how footage. Foxtel had had press red for Ed? Yeah. Like, you know, like they need some sort of like, you know, press that for Nat. Yeah. And so during the game, you can switch your screen between the game or just whatever Nat Fife happens to be doing at that time. <laughs> All right. That's uh, the episode for this week. Um, you can uh, check out our Facebook page if you want to join in the discussion with other Two Guys, One Cup listeners. We haven't really come up with a name for our listeners, have we? They're not the cuppers or the Two Guy, One Cuppers or anything. Cupaholics. I don't know. You can uh, write your... to us and suggest what you call yourself. Yeah. Yeah. When you proudly tell your friends that you listen to Two Guys, One Cup, what do you say? I'm a cupper and I'm proud of it. <laughs> okay, mate. Settle down. <laughs> uh, you can go to our Facebook page or on Twitter. Uh, if you want to check out other podcasts that Will and I do, you can go to tofop.com. Uh, we have another podcast called Tofop, which is kind of like this, but with less footy talk. Or really on balance, probably more footy talk some episodes. <laughs> You're on tour? Oh, yeah. My Will Legal, my Will Legal tour is uh, Sydney Opera House, October 13th. And we've added uh, Pakenham and uh, Bendigo and Townsville and Noosa. And there's some other dates to come. Uh, Comedy.com.au. Uh, and if you want to support the show, obviously you can tell now um, uh, with ACAST we have some ads on the show, which is bringing in just a little bit of money. But if you really want to support us, we have a Patreon page. You can go to patreon.com forward slash TOFOP, T-O-F-O-P, and uh, sign up for any amount uh, each month. It'll be deducted from your account and come to us, and it just uh, enables us to do this show uh, as regularly as we can. Uh, but that's it. So I say play on not 15. And I say ball. <laughs> that's so sad. <laughs> It's been a long season. We are two guys, one cup.